Section 36 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2. E. April 4, 1972. An Aborted Contribution and the Antitrust Suit. George Merrin, AMPI's general manager, has stated publicly a number of times that he rejected a request from Kalmbach that AMPI make a further contribution to the president's campaign, and that his refusal helped precipitate the Justice Department's decision to file the antitrust suit. None of the evidence uncovered by the committee or apparently by the special prosecutor supports that contention. Footnote. The suggestion that political contributions in any way influenced the Justice Department's decision to file the civil antitrust suit against AMPI is not supported by any documents in the possession of the Justice Department or the special prosecutor. John Sale, Assistant Special Prosecutor, Watergate Special Prosecution Force, has filed an affidavit in the antitrust suit in response to a motion by defendants for production of documents. Sale's affidavit states the following. I am familiar with all the documents and recordings in the possession of the Watergate Special Prosecution Force relating to political contributions from milk cooperatives. None of these documents or recordings support AMPI's allegations that United States v. AMPI was filed for the purpose of inducing representatives of AMPI to cause the trust for Agricultural Political Education, TAPE, to make campaign contributions directly or indirectly to individuals or organizations involved in the raising of funds for the re-election of President Nixon. End footnote. In fact, as explained above, the evidence tends to show that the Attorney General made several decisions favorable to the dairymen after he had become fully aware of AMPI's past and promised support for the campaign effort, and after he had consulted with Haldeman and perhaps others on the possible impact of an unfavorable decision on further contributions. Merrin did not even meet with Kalmbach until after the suit was filed, and it was not until the day the suit was filed that Haldeman was informed that the dairymen were not going to contribute the full two million dollars. What's more, there is evidence that AMPI not only tried to use its political influence to delay the filing of the suit, but that, after it was filed, Merrin offered to make a substantial contribution in exchange for assistance from the White House on the suit. 1. Pre-April 4 Discussions After the antitrust suit was filed, AMPI representatives such as Merrin and Murray Chotner expressed their unhappiness over the suit to a number of administration representatives, including Mitchell, and, as noted above, Kalmbach and Secretary Connolly. At the same time, discussions about additional contributions continued. A. Kalmbach, Jacobson, and Merrin At the February 3 meeting with Kalmbach, when the additional $750,000 contribution was discussed, 
Marin apparently talked to Kalmbach about the antitrust suit, who, according to Jacobson, was, quote, sympathetic. Jacobson says that Marin did not want to give to the president's campaign after the administration had filed suit against him, and that Marin told that to Kalmbach. Footnote. Neither Merrin nor Kalmbach recall discussing the antitrust suit at the February 3 meeting, although Kalmbach did discuss the matter with Mitchell, with whom he was discussing his solicitations of the milk producers. End footnote. Nonetheless, there is evidence that Merrin felt that a contribution was wise or obligatory to fulfill prior commitments and in view of the antitrust suit. As noted above, he told Isham early in 1972 that they were going to have to contribute, and Jacobson says Marin told him that he hoped the contribution would help alleviate the milk producer's problem with the antitrust suit. B. Chotiner and Mitchell AMPI did not limit itself to one line of contact with the administration about the antitrust suit. In addition to Jacobson contacting Kalmbach, Marion Harrison and Murray Chotner were contacting the top officials at the Justice Department, including Attorney General Mitchell. In late January 1972, several weeks after Marin had replaced Nelson, Harrison flew to San Antonio and met with Marin in an attempt to solidify his firm's relationship and its $108,000 per year retainer with the new management. Marin says that Harrison told him that he had played a major role in arranging for the dairy contributions the previous year, although, according to Marin, Nelson and Parr had expressed to Marin their opinion that Harrison had been, quote, ineffective, end quote, with respect to those contributions. In any event, additional contributions were discussed and Harrison gained the impression that Merrin did not want to make any further contributions for the president's campaign. At about the same time as the Harrison-Merrin discussion of contributions, Stuart Russell, one of AMPI's counsel who was engaged in pre-filing negotiations with the Chicago office of the Justice Department, contacted Harrison and asked him to see if anything could be done before the suit was filed. Before Harrison could act, however, the suit was filed. Harrison then talked to Chotner, who was counsel to the Harrison firm and who had also been involved in the dairy contribution and price support activities the previous year, and the two agreed that since Richard Kleindienst had been nominated to replace Mitchell, who was leaving to head the president's campaign effort, they should await Kleindienst's confirmation and then speak to him about the suit. The next night, February 24, 1972, Chotiner met Mitchell at a so-called, quote, Agnew Sinatra, end quote, cocktail party, and asked him about the suit. According to Chotiner, Mitchell merely puffed on his pipe. Mitchell says he attended the party, but does not recall any discussion with Chotiner. Footnote. As noted above, Mitchell, in a staff interview, said that the only person other than Kalmbach with whom he would have discussed the milk producer's situation was Chotiner. End footnote. Although Chotiner's description of Mitchell's response seems to indicate that the conversation was probably insignificant, 
and definitely one-sided harrison thought the meeting was important enough to describe chotiner's account of it to george merrin in a letter dated the next day february twenty five nineteen seventy two the letter reads in view of the changing of the guard apart from jake's reasoning i decided with murray's concurrence not to talk with the incumbent but to take the matter up anew with his successor then murray ran into john at the agnew sinatra party they had a tete-a-tete -tete on another matter and this subject came up the version of the facts i surmised to you by telephone is confirmed i guessed right the confirmation vote will be no earlier than february twenty nine and probably later next week after that i'll go see the new management in a week or two i'll endeavor to zero in harrison explained that his quote version of the facts was that mclaren was responsible for filing the suit and that mitchell had merely signed off on the suit and knew little about the circumstances of its subsequent filing harrison also says that his reference to quote, jake's reasoning unquote, was to the fact that jacobson felt nothing could be done about the suit however jacobson testified that he does not know what was meant by quote, jake's reasoning and that contrary to harrison's view of his quote, reasoning he felt political contributions could help ampi in all its problems including the antitrust suit because of the ITT scandal, Kleindienst was not confirmed by the Senate until June 8, 1972, after which Harrison was to, quote, zero in and see the new attorney general, which he did. Apparently nothing came from that contact, and at the end of June, AMPI fired the Harrison firm, because according to Chotiner, it did not get a good response for AMPI from the administration. 2 april four meeting and contacts with kalmbach about the antitrust suit and contributions despite merrin's alleged reluctance to contribute to the president's campaign and despite his conversations with kalmbach and connolly on march sixteen there is evidence that merrin made one last effort prior to april seven to make a substantial contribution in order to secure white house intervention in the antitrust suit According to Lillian Nelson, a meeting was held on April 4 in Marin's office to discuss the matter, and as a result of the meeting, checks for a $150,000 contribution to the president's campaign were drawn but later voided after Kambach says he rejected Marin's offer of a quid pro quo involving the antitrust suit. A. The Meeting Present at the April 4 meeting were Marin, Lilly, Nelson, and perhaps for part of the meeting, Lynn Elrod, another AMPI employee and assistant to Marin. Lilly says that at the meeting it was decided that prior to April 7, Nelson was to deliver a total of $300,000 from the three dairy trusts, $150,000 from TAPE, $100,000 from ADEPT, and $50,000 from SPACE. Before consenting to make a contribution, Marin called John Butterbrot, AMPI's president, to obtain his approval. As related by Lilly, Marin also wanted to talk to Kalmbach so that he and all Republicans would know that AMPI was not welching on its commitment 
made the previous year in connection with the milk price support decision. Lilly added, quote, Further, Marin stated he expected the Justice Department to slow down its antitrust suit against AMPI and later reduce it to a wrist slap. End quote. Lilly says that Marin then called Jacobson in Austin and asked him to contact Kalmbach to arrange for the contribution. Jacobson called Marin back and told him that Kalmbach would call him that night. In the meantime, 30 checks each for $5,000 for a total of $150,000 were drawn, but with the names of the payees left blank, awaiting committee names from Kalmbach. That morning, however, Robert Isham, the sole tape trustee, had resigned to avoid having anything to do with the contemplated contribution. As a result, the checks were drawn on the account of AMPI's new political arm, CTAPE, which was then being organized to replace TAPE, and were signed by the two signatories on the recently opened CTAPE account, Marin and Elrod. Footnote. At the time the checks were drawn, there were insufficient funds in the CTAPE account to cover the checks. However, there were ample funds in the TAPE account, and under the TAPE trust agreement, the AMPI board had the authority to appoint a new trustee who could either have written the checks on the tape account or have transferred the funds to the C-tape account to cover the checks after they had been delivered but before they had been cashed by the president's campaign committees. In fact, at the April 12 to 13 meeting of the AMPI board, Merrin was appointed trustee for tape and throughout the remainder of 1973, Tape transferred over $1 million to the C-Tape account. End footnote. Lilly says that since only 26 checks were in the C-Tape checkbook in San Antonio, he had to contact Jacobson in Austin to have four blank checks delivered that day from the Citizens National Bank, of which Jacobson was chairman. Late in the afternoon, at 4 or 4.30, John Parker, an officer at the bank, called Lilly and told him that another bank employee, Don Wallace, would deliver the extra four checks. At about 6 p.m., Wallace arrived at AMPI and de delivered the checks, which were completed by an AMPI secretary, Verna Polk. It then appears that Elrod signed the four checks and took them to Marin's home that evening for his signature, before Marin left San Antonio early the next morning for an AMPI meeting in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. The 30 checks were voided within a day or two by Elrod at Merrin's direction and never delivered. Although Merrin and Elrod readily concede that fact, both claim they have no recollection of why they were drawn in the first place or later voided. However, by Kalmbach's and Lilly's accounts, Merrin did speak that evening to Kalmbach, who rejected Merrin's offer of a quid pro quo. B. Kalmbach's call to Merrin. Kalmbach says that on or about April 4, Jacobson talked to him by telephone and asked him to call Merrin. When Kalmbach made the call the same evening, Kalmbach says that Merrin told him that he was ready to make a substantial contribution, but that he had wanted to talk to Kalmbach before doing so. 
Marin expressed concern over the antitrust suit and asked him to speak to someone at the White House on AMPI's behalf. Kalmbach understood the message. The contribution was to be made in order to have Kalmbach contact the White House for help on the antitrust suit. Kalmbach says he rejected Marin's offer and request. At that point, according to Kalmbach, Marin appeared particularly frustrated and said something to the effect that, quote, here you're asking for contributions and you're not willing to help, end quote. The conversation then ended rather abruptly. Kalmbach says he reported to Ehrlichman that he had broken off contact with, quote, the milk people because they were seeking a quid pro quo and that Ehrlichman had told him, quote, that's good judgment, end quote. Footnote. Kalmbach is not sure whether he reported this to Ehrlichman after his March 16 meeting or April 4 conversation with Marin. If it was between March 16 and April 4, Kalmbach says that he anticipated that AMPI would request a quid pro quo, which he says Marin did on April 4. End footnote. Although he thought it had occurred before 1972, Ehrlichman did recall such a conversation with Kalmbach. C. Corroboration of Lilly's Account On November 16, 1973, Lilly testified in executive session that Marin had told him, shortly after April 4, 1972, that Kalmbach had called him and refused the contributions, just as Kalmbach testified before the committee four months later in March 1974. As in the case of several other incidents investigated by the committee, Lilly's account of the meeting and of the call from Kalmbach on April 4 have been corroborated by independent evidence, most of which was unknown and unavailable to Lilly at the time he testified. This corroboration includes the following. Marin's Logs Marin's logs indicate that a meeting was scheduled and held in his office on April 4 involving himself, Nelson, Lilly, and possibly Elrod. Marin concedes that the meeting took place, but says he cannot recall the subject of the meeting. Butterbrot's Telephone Records Lilly testified that Marin conferred with Butterbrot on the $150,000 tape C-tape contribution. Butterbrot confirms that after the February 3 meeting with Kalmbach, Marin told him that money could be contributed secretly to the president's campaign prior to April 7, via state committees, but since they had agreed to reject that approach, Marin did not discuss another contribution with him on April 4. However, Butterbrot's telephone records indicate that he called the San Antonio home office twice on the morning of the 4th, and he assumes that, as Lilly testified, he talked to Marin at least one of those times. Nelson Testimony like Lilly, Nelson has testified that he attended the meeting on April 4 and that Marin did not want to contribute the $150,000 unless he was able to speak to Kalmbach to see if he could help them with the antitrust suit. Footnote. Nelson does not recall any discussion at the meeting of a total of an additional $150,000 from Adept and Space. End footnote. The Voided Checks the C-tape records reflect 30 checks, 
each for five thousand dollars drawn in blank signed by merrin and elrod and voided by elrod employees at the citizens national bank john parker and don wallace and at ampi verna polk and lynn elrod confirm lilly's account that four of the thirty checks were delivered to ampi from the austin bank late on the afternoon of the fourth and apparently rushed to merrin's home for him to sign them that evening Combox telephone logs the records of Kalmbach's telephone calls and the appropriate records of the San Antonio and Austin telephone companies reflect that on April 4, Kalmbach called both Jacobson and Merrin. Footnote. During 1972, Kalmbach charged some of his telephone calls concerning the campaign to an RNC credit card, and a committee search of the RNC records revealed for the first time to Watergate investigators that he charged calls to one number in San Antonio and one in Austin on the 4th. A committee check of the telephone records for the San Antonio and Austin telephone companies revealed that on April 4, 1972, those numbers were listed for George Merrin and Jake Jacobson, respectively. End footnote. Dwight Morris, Butterbrot Conversation The committee has uncovered further evidence to corroborate the account of Merrin's attempt to secure a quid pro quo. In response to a committee questionnaire to present and former AMPI directors and employees, former AMPI official Dwight Morris stated, and later testified before the committee, that John Butterbrot discussed the matter with him one week after it occurred. Morris had been secretary to the board of AMPI and vice president of the Southern Region and Arkansas Division of AMPI until February 1972, when he became active with some of Parr's former assistants in a rival dairy co-op group in Arkansas, the Southern Milk Producers Association. Morris says that AMPI was attempting to squelch the revolt and absorb the rival group and that Butterbrot met with him in Chicago on April 11, 1972, to try to work out their differences. In the midst of the conversation, Butterbrot referred to the antitrust suit and told Morris of AMPI's efforts to handle it. Butterbrot allegedly told Morris that AMPI representatives had gone to Washington to see what could be done about the suit and spent a couple of days speaking to people at the Justice Department and elsewhere, but no one would enter into a, quote, meaningful conversation with them. Footnote. Morris said that he thinks Butterbrot told him that Merrin, he and perhaps Nelson, had gone to Washington and then met with Kalmbach, but he may just have assumed that Butterbrot personally was involved, and that Butterbrot's reference to we may have been merely a reference to AMPI's representatives other than himself. There is no evidence that Butterbrot personally participated in conversations with Kalmbach. End footnote. Morris testified that Butterbrot told him, Finally, after making the rounds, someone suggested that the real way to solve their problem would be to talk to Mr. Kalmbach. They met with Mr. Kalmbach and came to an agreement that AMPI would pay $300,000 to Kalmbach, and that as a result of that, 
the antitrust suit against AMPI would go away. The AMPI representatives came back home with the understanding that Mr. Kalmbach would direct them where or to whom to send the money, and before that could be accomplished, the ITT thing hit the press, and Mr. Kalmbach sent word to AMPI that he did not want their money. Although Butterbrot does not recall telling these details to Morris, he concedes that he may have discussed contributions with Morris at their meeting. Furthermore, he says that he knew that Merrin and others had met with Kalmbach and Connolly, and that they had discussed pre-April 7 contributions with Kalmbach. There is evidence, then, that AMPI's top officials sought, through Kalmbach, high-level White House assistance on the antitrust suit in exchange for a substantial and secret pre-April 7 contribution. This time, Kalmbach, after nearly three years of hearing of milk producer pledges and contributions linked to favorable decisions by the administration, backed away. At the time of the ITT scandal, and in view of the damaging publicity in connection with the previous year's dairy contributions and price support activities, Kalmbach decided to try and prevent another milk producer scandal. As a result, no further dairyman contributions were made to the president's campaign for several months, and there is no evidence that Kalmbach or any White House official intervened in the antitrust suit thereafter. Footnote. In fact, there is evidence that later in 1972, at least one White House official viewed the progress of the antitrust suit as a, quote, positive offset to adverse publicity over the, quote, milk deal the year before. End footnote. End section 36. Recording by Linda Johnson.